check, check. Mic check. Show. I'm Colton on X.com, taking your calls and looking ahead to the races with your host, Steve Mathis. Yeah. Welcome, everybody. Fly Racing Moto 60 Show, presented by NFAB. That's right. Very exciting times. Anaheim 3 coming up this weekend. Oakland's in the rearview mirror. Anaheim 3 coming up, and uh, I'm excited to see what's going on. Uh, we uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We're live on a Thursday noon, 702-586-7857. Give us a call. Uh, talk talk some Supercross. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, phone lines are open, and um, thanks to Fly Racing for uh, everything they do for this sport, for this for this show. Uh, did you know they make much more than gear and helmets and casual wear? Did you? Did you? Fly produces a range of fl- bike stands, loading ramps, tie downs, handlebars, grips, levers. Oh, my, and much, much more. Visit flyracing.com to view their full range of hard parts. And, of course, NFAB. Uh, dress up your Jeep, truck, and SUV with the hottest-looking, hardest-working accessories from NFAB. Proudly built in Houston, Texas. And uh, they offer step systems, light-mounting solutions, bumpers, and more. Take your ride to the next level. Learn about NFAB products. Visit n-fab.com. Proudly uh, supporting the show. We appreciate it. We're going to be giving out a... Uh, Fly Racing factory jacket. You know, it's cold in most parts of the world. Not here in Las Vegas, but in a lot of parts. And so we're giving away a factory jacket. Um, so it's got graphics. It's got the uh, memory tool, outer shell construction, insulated liner, integrated detachable hood. Man, this thing's awesome. It's the exact same jacket that I have seen Trey Kennard, Jimmy Albertson, wear at the races. And so we're going to give that thing away to a lucky listener today. A couple guests today on the, on the Noon Hour show. Perhaps you heard of them. Uh, one is a two-time Supercross champion in Germany named Jason Thomas. And one of them is a two-time national champion and a Supercross champion named Jeff Emig. The voice of Supercross works in the booth every, every Saturday night. We'll get his take on what's going on in the Supercross Series 2014 AMA Monster Energy Supercross Series. Four rounds down, 13 to go. And uh, got some surprises. Justin Barsha, maybe in the bad category of surprises. Uh, some good surprises. Justin Brayton in the good category of surprises. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what those guys can do. And um, going forward from here, it should be, uh, should be exciting. 702-586-7857. Give us a call. We've got Jason Thomas coming up here shortly. And then we are going to uh, try to give away this random jacket. Oh, by the way, in case you didn't know, I'm Steve Mathis. Uh, taking, the, taking your calls, producing the show. The Tits Legendary Tits, what's up? What's up, Steve? Uh, did you sign on to our communication devices? Yes. Ah, okay. And I sent you something already. You did? Yes. Dan is on one. Oh. In case you didn't get that. No, yeah. Okay, yeah, I sent it. Oh, you know what? Here we go. Woo! Communication issues. Woo! <laughs> 
and we got a dog issue, and we got a communication issue. Uh, All right. Dane, what's up, man? What's going on? Dan. Hey, what's going on, Steve? Dan, what's happening? Well, I was just calling to uh, comment about the the TV coverage on the Supercross. I was... uh, I know Jeff Emig and Jeremy McGrath were making a big deal about those guys doing the quad at Oakland, but nobody ever went down there to kind of show like how crazy it was that they're taking off of a uh, three-foot lip and jumping, what, 60, 70-some feet. It just seems like I think they could do a better job to kind of relay that to the to the layperson or the casual watcher of how yeah. crazy that is. Well, they could have sent Diana over there. The problem is that she wouldn't really know what to look at. Um, th- you know, you don't normally wind them sometimes on the floor? Um, they, but um, he was not there this weekend. Uh, I know he's in the booth this weekend, by the way. Um, okay. But um, I agree with you. Yeah, it would have been somebody something good to sit somebody down there and, and uh, kind of take a look at it. Uh, part of the problem is that Will Hahn did it in practice, right, like once or twice. No one did it in the heats and semis, and then it only happened in the main. So, you know, basically they would have to send – someone down there pretty quickly and line it all up while the main is going on, you know, while the guys are jumping around them. It's kind of a little tough to do because they weren't, they weren't really sure that it was coming or not, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah and I, I understand that. And I, uh, I think in your uh, observations there, you were saying that uh, Michael Lessie said that somebody might pull that out and, and maybe those guys could do their due diligence too and, uh, you know, do a little research and find out, like, what do they think might be the, be the crazy thing and kind of hype it up and build it up and, yeah. you know, also get the riders to go after it too and not only the, you know, the viewers. But that's that's just my thought. It seems like a lot of the other motorsports things, they always kind of pick something and they go after it to really kind of relay it because TV just doesn't do it justice, as everybody knows when you've no. seen it in person. No, absolutely right. And you got a point. You, you got a point there. I just think they were, uh, you know, I, I don't. I don't know if they're going to send Jenny Taft out there while the main is going on, while bikes are jumping over her head to stand right. there, and and it's pretty dangerous as it is. So I know what you're saying, but I also and I'm and I've certainly been critical of the TV package here and there, but I think on this one we got to cut them a bit of slack. But I got you. I, I hear what you're saying. It, it like you said, uh, until you're down on the floor, you don't realize just how gnarly this stuff is. Yeah. Yeah. So. Thanks, the only other thing I have is uh, I have one of Tim Ferry's actual helmets. It was given to me by a friend uh, for a wedding present, so I thought I'd let you know that. Which what year? Um, the year he was on the uh, the four hundred and Reed was or the four fifty and Reed was on the uh, two stroke. The one that Fly used to make his replica, like the actual one sent over to China. My oh. buddy was working for uh, the uh, THH that was making Fly helmets back then. Yeah, so that would have been 03. That would have been okay. I would have been working for him, and yeah, I, I remember the yeah the flames and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it was the one where Dirt Rider, I think, had him on the cover crashing, so the helmet has a cracked visor and stuff like that. You can see, like, the gold leaf popping through. It's kind of neat. So, uh, Do you want to give that to me or no? We could discuss this. Maybe you get me some uh the passes for the Supercross package through JT, and I can give you a helmet. Oh, I don't run that program. J- and, J- <laughs> and JT is just, you know, he's just a little Nazi with that stuff. So um, that's all right. I got, I got a bunch of fairy helmets. But you know what? I'll let you keep yours. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. All right, see you. 702-586-7857. Uh, give us a call and uh, let me know what you think. So part, some of the news this week, uh, Ivan Tedesco on the Rockstar KTM going to a 350. Uh, the team is contracted to have a 350 on, on the track. Cole Thompson was uh, riding it for a couple of races. They decided, hey, Cole, just go concentrate on the 250 uh, series coming up on the East Coast. So because they have to have a 350 on the track, Ivan Tedesco draws a short straw, um, and I'm not a fan of this move, but if you're Ivan, you know, you're a good soldier. You're going to do what you want to do. 
I know the 350 has had success in guys like Moosecan and Roxon's hands, but if you think about it, those guys are jumping up from a 250. So they have the uh, aggressive style. They're keeping your momentum up and riding around on, on a 350. Ro- Ivan Tedesco, much like Andrew Short, much like Michael Lessi, he's jumping down to the 350. And uh, sometimes those guys have some issues getting on a 350. But, again, it's Ivan. He's been out a year. He's going to do what the team wants him to do. And uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what he says from here on out. But, again, I don't think the 350 is a machine that can be used competitively over here. And don't tell me about Antonio Caroli's titles. Uh, That's full works. No no production rule over there, so we don't even know what that thing is and what he's doing to it. But, I mean, certainly Antonio makes it look great. But – I don't know. So that's a bit of news this week. Uh, also, Eli Tomac coming back. Um, he's going to try to race Anaheim 3. I talked to him yesterday via text and uh, says he's good and ready to go, and uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, It's not 100% sure that he's going to uh, race. He'll try practice and see how it is, but uh, he seems to think he will. And with that, let's welcome uh, our first guest on the show. Jeff Emig is coming up later, but this guy's also a Supercross champion just in another country. Fly Racing Zone, Jason Thomas. JT, what's up? Uh, what's going on? Hey, so uh, you know you're a Supercross champion. Emig's a Supercross champion. That's the bottom line. That's, uh, that's yeah. That's I don't. Just... I'm not really in the same category as those guys. Nope. But I Super... raced. Uh, I did. I did my share of damage nope. where Su- I needed to. Supercross champion is Supercross champion to me. Yeah, but you also claim Manitoba titles, so I don't really want to be lumped in with your characterization of a champion. That is an excellent point. You're right about that. All right. Okay. So <laughs> let's let's tackle some things here on the Fly Racing Moto 60 show, presented by NFAB. Uh, first of all, Tedesco on a 350. What you th- what do you think? I don't know. I don't think that's going to go real well. To be completely honest with you, um, you know, that's. It was, I was surprised when I heard that. I don't. Yeah, that's not a, a solid recipe for success, in my opinion. But who knows? I, you but, know, I've been wrong before. What about the guys that tell you about Roxanne and Muscat doing well? Yeah, and I don't really think that Ivan Tedesco is either of those guys. Those guys are quite a bit younger. Um, I don't think that older season guys do well going backwards on on horsepower. That's just my opinion, and mm-hmm. you know uh, everybody's entitled to their opinion. That's mine. I just think that he will do worse. I, I don't think in Supercross, unless you are extremely aggressive, that you can make up for the lack of horsepower. So we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure. I know you know there's there'll be a different there'll be he'll need to change his riding style. He can't, he cannot ride the bike like he would at 450. Yeah, well, the biggest thing, you know, I've talked to Andrew about this at length because obviously he raced one, and the biggest problem is, is trying to pass anyone. You can't you, – if you come out of the turn and try to square them up or do anything to try to out-accelerate them, you just can't. You know, you have to change your whole tactic on passing people, and you have to set up your passes completely different. So mm-hmm. that's where he struggled the worst with it. And obviously on the starts, you know, we've seen Roxanne get really good starts with it, but I would think that if you take, you know, 15 starts that – over those 15, you're going to see a negative trend as far as having 100 less horsepower. But, you know, obviously it's up to him, and, and we'll see. And if he comes out and does better, then, then hey, more power to him. Well, actually less power to him, but, you know, <laughs> Yeah, exactly, right? No doubt about it. Uh, Eli Tomac coming back. Uh, what do you think he could do? Um, I talked to uh, Kevin Windham yesterday for a little bit, and he, he seemed to think, along with what you've been saying, the level of competition rises and gets higher and higher. And and Wyndham said about round eight is where everybody settles, and of course we're only in round five. So what do you think? I mean, can Tomac, if he gets a top ten, is that fine? 
You know what? It all depends on his if, – if he's 100% and he doesn't feel any, you know, negative impact from the crash and, and he's good to go, then I, I don't think it's going to really affect him. I think whatever he was going to do at A1, he, he can do this weekend. I don't think he's missed too much time or anything like that. Um, that's really the question for me is where is he at as far as his fitness and his health and everything like that? Is he Does he feel just as prepared as he did going into A1 or is kind of sore and like, yeah, we're just going to try to sort through it type deal? That would be really be my only question. Um, and I think we'll see that throughout practice and his times and all that stuff. Uh, but, I, you know, if, if he's 100% healthy and ready to go, I don't really think a top 10 is what he's looking for. So I think, you know, if he got like ninth place, I think he would probably be di- a little bit disappointed if he, you know, all things being, uh, you know, 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess that's the question, right? I mean, a guy like Tomac – Maybe he waits till he <clears throat> till he's 100 percent to come. Yeah, back, I think I know? think that's why he did. Right. He didn't race at Oakland. I think he could have raced at Oakland, but I think he just wanted another week. So you know, because obviously all eyes are going to kind of be on him when he gets out there. Everybody, everybody's seen what everybody else has, but we really haven't seen what Eli has. So I think for him, it being his first year, the championships out of the question at this point. There's really no reason to go a week early if you don't if you're not prepared so i would expect him to not come out there until he's ready to you know try to contend for a podium or whatever he feels is mm-hmm. is up to standard uh luke has a question for you jt uh luke what's up thanks for calling the fly racing moto 60 show what's your question i'm uh, hoping jt has some insight uh if Millsaps, well kind of a two-part question if Millsaps didn't get hurt uh, and they didn't bring in Tedesco, who then would have been on the 350 if Rockstar had to have one on the track? And how does BTO not fall under the same umbrella of having a 350 on the track? How did they get out of it? You know what, I'm, I'm not sure. Um, and I wasn't really up to speed as far as the, the requirement of having a 350 guy out there. Um, I do know that on our team they have the option to run. They could have run a 350, say, if, if, uh, you know, Gerke decided, hey, I really, really think that 350 is the way to go, I think they could have, you know, that, that option's on the table. Um, I think both of them just choose to race the 450, and that's the direction we went with. But uh, well, I, don't, I honestly <clears throat> don't know. I don't, I don't know that, that, you know, I think every, every contract is different, and, and I don't think they were that, that uh, requirement um, was imposed upon them. Luke, Joey Savacci was going to ride the 350 on that team on the other coast. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that that was the original plan. Of course, he got hurt. Cole Thompson stepped in, but whoa, Canada! He I was yeah, JT. Why Cole was worse than I thought, right? Like I don't know what was up. Yeah, he wasn't wasn't very good. He should um, have been I, better. Just to expand on that, on the point of the team built before, I'm not really sure. You know, with with the BTO KTM team, they use the KTM race services, and, and I know not everything is free. You know, they they pay for some stuff and some services they buy and et cetera. So I don't know if the Rockstar Racing team is on the exact same program or if they get more free product or more free service from KTM, therefore they have to kind of abide by what KTM tells them to. I, I'm not sure how all that works, but, uh, you know, obviously to, back to Cole Thompson. Yeah, I, I well, to be honest with you, I didn't expect, a ton from him just because I didn't think he was 100% prepared on Screw that program you, to come Screw in. You. Screw you, man. Um, but, I, you know what, I just don't think that he was expecting to race a 350 KTM at, in Anaheim right, or wherever right. he, you know. Yeah. So you, it's hard to just, you know, throw him under the bus a little bit. If he comes out at in the East Coast and, and really struggles, then I think we have to look at that a lot more seriously than his, you know, a couple races out West when he really wasn't 
prepared mm-hmm. for it. Right, right. Thanks, Luke. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Uh, let's go to the Justin. Justin, what's up, man? Hey, I've got a question about uh, Anaheim. Why the three races? If uh, everybody's complaining that the attendance is no good after A2, why keep doing three and cutting rounds? Well, basically, I'm bitter because I'm from Salt Lake. So. <laughs> oh, there we go. There, there is what you're getting at. Um, honestly, the attendance at Anaheim, too, I know we talked about it uh, here and there. It wasn't terrible. It just wasn't jam-packed like usual. I do expect okay. I do expect A3, though. Traditionally, A3 has not been that good. It really goes to something JT had mentioned, I think. God, we do so many shows, I'm not exactly sure. Uh, but the Fly Racing Moto 60 show is, is awesome. Um, Anaheim uh, is rented. The stadium is rented for like a month and a half by Feld. They do monster oh. jams, and they have the super crosses. So basically the thing is rented, and they probably have a discount at it, and hence three Anaheims. Uh, I'm with you. Three is too many. I, I, don't, I don't like it. But then again, um, Justin, um, one year we were in your fine city, and it started blizzarding. It was a blizzard on us. So, <laughs> well, know. that throws in a new element. That makes it exciting. <laughs> but, but Salt Lake City was the place that I saw JT uh, do the rhythm section that no one else was doing all night long and uh, pulled off <laughs> just that. Yeah. It, I remember. I loved it. I loved every minute of the, it. The uh, single, double, triple, single, double, single out will never be beaten. Um, yeah, that, well, it. you had to – the added dimension of that was you had to swerve back and forth to make sure nobody would do the, right. the faster rhythm behind you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it was brilliant. Grant Grant did not know what was coming. It was awesome. Yeah, um, right. No, it's kind of a James Bond tactic. I mean, I don't know, uh, Justin. I, I love Salt Lake City as a city. I don't know if the, if the place can – I mean, it only holds, what, 35,000 or something? It's not that I'm big. I'm not even sure. Yeah, it's not that Is it, big. It wouldn't have anything to do with us having a national, right? Because that's Feld versus MX Sports, right? No, I don't think so, JT. You think that's anything to do with it? No, no. I think it was. Uh, I think it was probably a combination of there wasn't a ton of upside as far as potential attendance. You know, they already were selling it out and probably thought they could make more money somewhere else. And there's always these political things going on too. I know John Huntsman was fighting pretty hard to have the race there. Um, okay. Yeah, there, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes for that kind of stuff. It's hard to just really pinpoint it down to one thing. Yeah, I've always just assumed that since uh, you know the teams are there, everybody loved Anaheim, and I just assumed the attendance was great every round. And then after hearing all the complaints about the attendance today too, that just kind of made me you know, a little more bitter. And yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what prompted the call. You so. know what I heard, uh, Justin? Was uh, JT? Did you hear about like they were trying some different pricing on tickets for Anaheim? Did you hear- uh, I, I did, and I, I do know that I heard that some tickets were really expensive, but I didn't yeah. hear that they were I, I heard I heard that Feld was trying something new, much like, um, you know, nowadays a lot of sports teams, if you want to see, you know, a great team like Toronto Maple Leafs play another great team like the Montreal Canadiens, you're going to pay a little bit more than you would if it was the Leafs versus the crappy uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. And so it's, right. it's called dynamic pricing, uh, Justin, yep. and – and that's going on more and more now. And I heard the Feld folks were trying dynamic pricing with Anaheim, and I, it didn't look like it worked. But that's what I—that's what I had heard uh, from somebody that in the know over there. Yeah, I wouldn't—I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you kind of see that in, in all industries. It's supply and demand. You know, they're, you're going right. to be able to fetch a better price for a highly sought-after ticket. So yeah, um, right. yeah. I mean, obviously, these guys aren't. You know. It's a billion-dollar company they're running with Feld, so I'm sure they're going to look at every possible way to maximize revenue that they can. That's right. Sure.
Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Justin. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for taking the call. All right. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a little interesting, and it's a lot of stuff behind the scenes about what goes on and this and that. Um, all right, I'm going to ask Jeff Emig some of the same questions I'm going to get asked you, JT. So um, if you're listening, uh, I want to get a couple guys' different opinions. So RV has 84 points. Did you know mm-hmm. that? Stu has I, I didn't know that number, no. Okay, Stu has 66. Okay. Barsha has 56. Are they out of this thing? Mm. I don't think Stu is. Really not even the points number that you're telling me is, is why I would say that Barsh is out of it. It's really the way he's riding. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he could be 10 points out of it, and the way he's looking the past few weeks, I would say that not looking great for him. Just because I've never seen Barsha really perform like this. Maybe maybe years ago in the lights class when he was kind of really inconsistent, but mm-hmm. this is not what I think anybody expected from him in. I would say Stu is definitely not out of it yet because I think he's very capable of winning races. And if, if Filippoto has one bad night or one big crash or anything goes wrong, he misses a main event like he did in, in 2010, mm-hmm. then uh, we're, you know, we're right back in the, in the ball game. So, um, no, I, I don't think – sorry, that was 2011 with Filippoto. But, no, I, I think Stu is capable of winning, and, and I think he will here soon. And, uh, it's way too early to count, really count anyone out at this point. You know, we're what, yep. three or four races into a 17 race series. You know, it's, uh, it's way I know. too early to talk like that. It's just, it, it, you know, if you're Barsha, you're six. You got to jump six guys. Six guys well, have to run into misfortune. You know. Yeah, I don't really think he's looking at the points at all right now. I no. think that's the last thing on his mind. It's the results and the riding that that matter. You know that. The points, the points are going to be get much, much worse if he doesn't fix the riding problem. Speaking of Barsha, Kevin wants to talk to him, talk to us about Barsha. Kevin, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? What's up? Thanks, uh, thanks for calling the Fly Racing Moto Sixty Show, the show that everyone uh, listens to these days. I yeah, got, no I don't have any stats to back that up. That's just what I feel. <laughs> hey, uh, anyway, uh, I was thinking that Barsha's kind of maybe riding kind of bad because. You know, like uh, I was listening to a podcast earlier in the year. You guys are saying he's trying to get a contract already. His contract's out. That might yeah. have something yeah. to do with that. I do. I think that's something to do with it. I mean, you're he's in for a payday next year, no matter where he goes, and mm-hmm. he's talking to other teams. And you know, the he's perhaps he's been riding some other bikes. I know. I think before Anaheim, he, he rode another bike, and um, yeah, I would think that's a big distraction, JT. Don't don't you? I'm not real sure. I don't, I don't know. I mean, it, I would think that all of it has to be considered a factor at this point just because unless he knows exactly what the issue is, then, you know, he has to kind of examine everything and, and take it all into account. And you'd think at this point it's really hard to keep secrets locked down in this sport, especially between myself and you and Wygan and everyone that we talk to. Secrets just have a way of getting out. And I really haven't heard one reason that i could point to that's like yep that's what's wrong and i haven't heard anything like that so you know i think it's a combination of uh higher expectations for him this year like i think honda looked at him and he looked at himself as a guy who needed to be in the title fight and should be in the title fight and when it doesn't start to happen then that that pressure starts to mount and obviously the contract here rolls into that and you know another thing i've been thinking about too is you know, we both know he was uh, kind of testing another bike and maybe multiple bikes before the season and trying to decide where he was going to end up, if not a Honda again. And had he, found, you know, ridden something else that he really, really liked, 
I think that can play negatively on you where you're constantly thinking, man, if I was on that bike, I would be doing better. Look at that bike out there. My bike's not as good or whatever. And I don't know that that's the case. That's purely speculation on my part. He may love his bike. I have no idea. But I've seen that happen before where a guy just is so wrapped up in, well, next year is going to be so much better because I'll be on this or we're going to have that part or, you know, whatever. So that could be here's, something that we, we have to look at too. Here's the flip side of that, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm leaning more towards, like, that kind of stuff is bugging him. The flip side is if he goes out and kills it, he will just make more money next year. So the motivation to go out and kill it should be high. You know, right. oh, yeah, that's, without yeah. a doubt, contract. Right. That's what contract here is all about, right? So, like, in one hand, you, you could you could maybe see why isn't he doing better than ever before? Because it mm-hmm. just means he's going to cash in. So why isn't he working harder than ever before and more focused than ever before? So, um, yeah, there, there, I've talked to Jeff Stanton a little bit about some stuff, and uh, he worked on starts this week. Uh, him and Jeremy McGrath got together at the Honda track. A lot of start sessions. They feel like they feel like if he can start up front, he can be there. And Stanton said he was really bummed about the crash in Oakland because he felt like that was going to be a podium night, and uh, it yep. didn't, didn't work out. But um, starts seem to be the thing they're working on, Kevin. Right on, right on. Thank, well, cool. Thank you. It. Thanks, man. Uh, lots of calls. We still got to give away a Fly Racing uh, factory red black jacket, which JT is the exact same jacket that Trey Kennard and Jimmy Robertson wear. Among others, they will be wearing it. Absolutely. Uh, it's the ones they wear. Do the ones that they wear on parade laps? Uh, yeah, I mean, we they have they have a few different ones to choose from, but I'm sure they will be. The guys with the jackets on the parade lap tells me something. Yeah, you keep going with this theory. I think it's ridiculous. I think guys try to stay warm. You think it's like they they're not man enough or something? Yeah, I got a lot of theories that are, that are out there. Yeah, and, ha- and most of them are whack. Okay, uh, Neil, what's up, man? Hey, I was wondering if you guys thought that the Supercross schedule was determined at all by Monster Jam. Because, like, I do, I've done a few trials demos for the Monster Jam people, and they were telling us that that's, like, their big money maker. So they said that's the biggest money maker they have, like, well over Supercross is what they, what they told us. But oh, I just yeah. didn't know if that also influenced what stadiums they go to. I, I think so, for sure. And you're right. You're absolutely right. It does make. Uh... It does make a lot more money than Supercross. They own all the trucks and everything. So, um, what do you think, JT? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it. I'm sure it affects it. Uh, you know, and, and like you said, Monster Jam's their most profitable enterprise as far as that stuff goes. So, um, definitely with the Anaheim's, we've seen how it affects them. They run three in a row, um, and it would you would obviously want to think that if they say they sign a deal with Fort Field for Monster Jams, that they're going to try to work in a Supercross in there as well, since they already have the dirt and all the equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyson, what's up, man? What do you want to talk about? Hey, with the boys, uh, just throwing it up there. I'm just calling in from the great state of Illinois where it was negative 50 degrees yesterday. But anyways, uh, calling because uh, thinking about Jason Anderson and how what a success story with Bobby Hewitt and the guys on the Rockstar Suzuki. A couple years ago, if we really would have asked ourselves so much your name is Jason Wygant, you probably wouldn't have said that he was going to be as, as successful as he is today. Mm-hmm. What are the odds that we could ha- possibly see the same success story with Zach Bell. Because I just realized the other day that he was actually on the West Coast, and he's <laughs> gone again, and you really haven't even heard anything about him. But Yeah. Um, it's, it's not a bad point. Um, certainly Zach Bell, I mean, it just he's got the talent proven by the results and, and the ride and everything else. But, man, uh, I I even think Anderson, and even in Anderson's not-so-good rookie year, 
he showed more than Zach Bell. But what is what is JT? What do you think? I if Zach Bell ever gets a start, I think we'll see something out of him. <laughs> he finally got one. Because <laughs> you kind of have to look. I mean, his first couple races, he was leading. What was it? Um, Southwick until he wrecked, and then he was up front at Unadilla before he wrecked. And I mean, if he can no, and and figure out how to, if, if yeah, and I'm obviously around, making he, he, he could do. Oh. Yeah, and I'm obviously making light of it because at his first race, every hole shot it, and he said he finally got a start. So, yeah. Um, yeah. No, I don't. I don't know. I, you know what? I'm not. If I had to choose, if I think that was going to happen or not, I'd probably say no, just because of his track record so far, and he hasn't really been out. You know, this 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 sport takes a lot of things. Um, being healthy, being a you know the main one, and to get any longevity or to put any kind of series together, you have to stay off the ground and. He really hasn't shown an ability to do that, and I think he had kind of the same issues as an amateur. So, um, you know, I wish all the best for him. I not, you know, I, I don't really know the kid at all. You know, I feel sorry that he for him that he keeps getting injured, but yeah, uh, it's it's something that he's going to have to sort out if if he really wants to, you know, make it or or have any kind of like long term career. Tough sport, man. It chews you up and spits you out. No doubt about it. Um, Did the team kind of pull him, or is he out for injury? I mean, no, yeah, he, he crashed at Phoenix practice and broke his collarbone. Oh, okay. Good to know that. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Tyson. All right, Sam. JT, talking about Barsha and uh, silly season a little. How, how did that silly season stuff affect you? Were you in talks? Uh, with, were you in talks with teams and stuff? Yeah, I would say it probably didn't affect me at all. Okay. All right. Just checking. No, I, honestly, my you know I was with from 2003 until 2013. I was only with two teams. So what about uh, you? Were almost on Yamaha Troy. I did, yeah. At the end of uh, at the end of '05, um, yeah, I, it came really close to going to Yamaha Troy. So uh, I don't know how I don't know how that would have went or how it played. Would have you know the rest of my career would have played out, but with Oster- damn close. Osterman as manager back then, right? And that, would, would it was, that, yeah. Well, that would have been McFarland yep. and Metcalf years. Matt Walker was that that year? Yeah, they were there in '06. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, you know the. The thing for me was I was making a lot of money at the time doing what I was doing, and uh, I kind of told I told Osterman and, and, and you know if if, if I'm going to do it, then I want to be considered like a real guy and get paid well and bonuses and all that kind of stuff. I don't want it. Yeah. Feel like, uh, we're going to take a flyer on this guy because I, I can keep doing what I'm doing and make really good money. So yeah, they, they, at the end it, it didn't work yeah. out, and and they kind of looked at it at you know a different light than I did, and you know it, it was all fine, but it would have been interesting to tell you. Yeah. Uh, hey, Jared, you want to talk about Barsha? Question, go back to what you guys were talking about a minute ago. That Barsha just too much of... No, oh, Jared, your, oh. phone, your phone is breaking up, Jared. Oh, man. Oh, it's your one your, shot. Your phone is having a Barsha-like year. <laughs> oh, you're gone. All right. Hey, JT, by the way, uh, Toyota Triple Challenge, did you hear about this? Uh, no, I, don't, I saw something. I have no idea what it is. Okay. The rider who accumulates the most points uh, in Anaheim this weekend, in Texas in a couple weeks, and then, of course, Giant Stadium, uh, gets a free Toyota Tundra. Oh, nice. I and, wonder if uh, Villapoto would turn it, turn it in and get a Raptor or something. Yeah, that'll be awesome to see what happens with that. Um, yeah. And then, hey, if the guy sweeps all three, he gets two hundred fifty grand and the truck. Oh, which, wow. Which I That's mean, cool. I could see someone sweeping all three. Like, oh yeah. yeah, so it's it's this weekend. This weekend, Dallas and New York. Uh, Dallas and, and New York. Okay, cool. Yep. Yeah, that's exciting. 
And, we, haven't, uh, you know, we haven't had anything like that since, like, the Vans Triple Crown and all right, that kind right. of stuff. So. What if RV uh, wins the truck and they're presenting to him and he poops on it, like, right there on the podium? <laughs> I think he'd probably go to jail for indecent exposure. But. Yeah, okay, maybe that, right? Uh, good times, though, on the uh, – that's a cool thing that the Toyota's doing, Toyota Triple Challenge. So Yeah, that's kind, actually pretty cool. Kind of a neat deal. So well, it, adds, it adds another element. 250 grand's not a – that's not a joke, for sure. No, no doubt about it. And it's definitely easy, easily to win. All right, before we let you go, JT, uh, 250 class this weekend, Anaheim 3. What do you, who do you got? What do you think is going to happen? Are we going to see a return to form by Sealy? I think so. Yeah, I think, I think Anaheim suits him. It's slippery. It, it takes a lot of finesse, throttle control. And Anaheim 3 is always the most slippery of the three. Uh, so I think he'll be back. Um, I think he, it, that just the whole atmosphere suits him. Um, but I, I think that Dino had a breakthrough weekend too. So mm-hmm. I'm really looking forward to all three of those getting out together and, and letting them sort it out and having a great race. Do you see anything? Uh, yeah. So you're counting out the 16 a little bit, not counting them out, but the, you like Wilson, Seeley and Anderson to, to do something. Well, and I, ha- the only reason I, I say that is because I haven't seen Zach show the speed that the other three have, and I really would have said the same thing about Dean until last weekend where, you know, mm-hmm. the, basically he got robbed. Like, that was his race to win, you know. Yeah. Obviously, Anderson won and, and did all the right things, but I felt like Dean, that was Dean's race. You know, he mm-hmm. did everything he could in his power to win. Uh, and we, we haven't, just haven't seen that from Zach yet. He hasn't shown on any weekend that he was the best guy yet. So mm-hmm. until he does that, I think those three have, have proven they're just, you know, they've, they've done a, just one notch better. Last call for Jason Thomas, uh, coming up with Jeff Emig on the Fly Racing Moto 60 show, presented by NFAB. Jared? I want to talk Cole Seeley. Okay. Let's talk uh, Cole What Seeley. happened? Like, I, I know you guys have said that he was off all weekend. He, like, he during was. Practice and stuff. He, like, he was. I don't it know. It didn't if it seem like himself. I don't know. Like, you sound really depressed, Jared, that your, your guy. I, I'm, I'm very depressed. Um, <laughs> but did you just hear what JT said? He thinks that Cole Seeley will be back. Oh, I think so too. I think he's going to be. I think he's going to win. I'm calling it for a win. Oh wow! Stamp it. Um, The weird thing is, is so the the West Coast guys got two more races, and then geez, JT, they're off for like eight. That's that's weird. That's tough. Yeah, it is. I think the only person it's tough for is the points leader, and uh, that's where all the pressure is. The other guys are like, all right, sweet, let's go do some outdoor testing. I'll get some time off. Everybody else really enjoys it i think Mm -hmm. but for the points leader it's like oh man can we just get this over with please every day he goes riding he's gonna be like i can't get hurt i can't get hurt i can't get hurt (laughs) right right so um and and back to cole celia i just think maybe he you know i think maybe the pressure of the red plate got to him a little bit you know that's you think guessing but yeah yeah. yeah, maybe i mean he's he's never really been in that situation too much he hasn't won a title i know he was expecting himself to win a title and I don't know. You know, maybe he was sick. Maybe there's something that he hasn't let on. But, you know, you have to look at that. Your first weekend with the red plate, and it's the first weekend you really look like a totally different guy. So, uh, who knows? I really do expect him to bounce back, though. I'll tell you that. Jared. Yes. If you can correctly tell me how many pockets are in the fly racing factory jacket, you can win it. Oh, my God. Uh, think, think, think about a winter jacket. Get... Think about a winter jacket. You're gonna have your two front ones, okay? I'll give you the two front ones, but like I'm gonna what, guess, I'm gonna guess like four, five. You can't. That's two guesses. Okay, four. No, you're wrong. No. All right. You're close, but not quite. All right. Uh, but good try. Uh, anything else? 
Nope, that's it. I mean, you saw the magazine cover this morning. Oh, on, uh, in, oh yeah, right. on Twitter there. All right, Jared, we're gonna give you the jacket anyways. I'm such a I'm such a dick. We're gonna give you the jacket. Oh, you're you're such a nice guy. Fly racing factory jacket, retail price 140 bucks. It's got the graphics on it. It's got a quilted liner, detachable hood, a Velcro adjustable sleeve cuffs, and six pockets. Jared, I'm pumped. And so stay on the line, and uh, our own tits legendary will uh, get your info from you. Um, All right, thanks. Thanks, JT. Thanks, appreciate it. All right. All right, Vince. JT, thanks, bud. Appreciate it. Um, All right, guys. Have a good show. Tell Fro I said hello. Uh, I'm sure Fro will be very happy. Yeah, to hear. To hear. Yeah, tell him not. Tell him not to go spraying anything about his company he works for. Like last time he came on, <laughs> he got a kick out of that. Yes, he did. Um, I'm gonna kick him for it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Thanks, Just JT. Like he kicked Morocco in the helmet. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Uh, we'll that, we'll yeah. see you at uh, Anaheim three this weekend uh, underneath the uh, BTO Sports KTM team, and uh, of course. Uh, which whose riders wear fly racing? All right, see you guys. See ya. Um, all right, uh, you, Jared's on hold, waiting for his information. There, we're coming up with Jeff Emig, Supercross champion and uh, outdoor national champion. Before before that, let's get to Adam. Adam, what's going on? Yeah, I was calling to see uh, which two hundred and fifty West riders you think will ride four hundred and fifties on the east. You know, we talked about that. Uh, I don't know. If oh, I no, 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 not on this show. I mean, we talked about oh, that. All right. Uh, on a text message, uh, a bunch of us talked about it, and we uh, we really couldn't think of anybody. We were thinking Anderson could do it, but not if he's the points leader. They wouldn't do it, you know. Um, other than that, I don't know. I think Michael Lieb should try it, but uh, I don't know if the funds are there. So it's a good question. I don't. I wouldn't look for any of them to be honest. I really wouldn't. Maybe I mean obviously maybe some privateers or something, but um, right. yeah, I don't think any of the big any big names are going to do it. You know, they go. Would they put Dean Ferris on a 350? No, I don't think so. I, I think Ferris was all about just a learning year and figure it out. And, of course, Ivan's going to be on a 350 from here on out. So, no, I don't think – I think they don't want Ferris to get hurt. He's 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 going to be much better outdoors than he's been indoors, and I don't think they would do that. All right, fair enough. All right, thanks, Adam. Thank you. All right, thank you. Hey, everybody, listen to the Fly Racing Moto 60 Show. Fly Racing designs its racewear to complement a rider's natural movements on the motorcycle. No unnecessary distractions, straightforward, no-nonsense function, fit, and style. Flies distributed by Western Power Sports and, of course, NFAB, n-fab.com. Anything you need for your truck, um, you can light them up with uh, N5 light mounting solutions to mount your uh, lighting products. They offer pre-runner, rear-runner, light bars, conventional lighting. If you're shopping for something for your truck, go to n-fab.com, of course, proud associate sponsors of JGR Yamaha. Let's not like let's not make our next guest wait too long. If there's anybody that knows the sport of Supercross motocross, it's probably this guy who's uh one of the greats all time and uh, now he's the voice of Supercross on Fox Sports 1. Jeff Emig, what's going on? Uh, I'm just uh taking taking your call. Looking forward to doing the show today. Yeah, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Always good to get you on, uh get your insight. You're uh you're in the booth. Okay, so you and MC are in the booth last weekend. Um no fighting beforehand. You, did you bring your 96 250 MX plate maybe to the booth to show him anything like that? Uh, you guys want to make it something that it isn't. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. It used to exist, though, Fro. Yeah, it, it was great. To, yeah. and believe it or not, I know you guys all want to make it uh, mid-'90s, but it was uh, it was nice having him in the booth. Yeah. Um, I thought that he brought a, a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and which is always great to hear from somebody new. Obviously, he has experience at uh, 
at um, Supercross that, that, you know, obviously with four straight championships and seven total, that mm-hmm. he's the only person that has that experience. So I thought it was great. I thought that we had a, a really fun, um, you know, um, uh, uh, you know um, uh, chemistry in the mm-hmm. booth, and, and uh, it, was, it was good to work with him. Um, and so, okay, so one weekend you got Ricky there. You got Ricky there a lot of weekends, then MC. This weekend it's Kevin Windham. Do you, you, you yourself, do you change your style, your announcing? Uh, do you think about it, or are you just the same guy no matter who's uh, uh, the third guy? Well, yeah, I mean, it's going to be great to have Kevin back again, and he's worked with us before. Um I, I think the basis of what I do and the information that I try to deliver is uh, the same every week. You know, I'm always trying to bring a new nugget and mm-hmm. try to be more involved with the stats and, and doing the research and stuff, which I, I feel like I do a better job of now than what I used to. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, was there a different chemistry in the booth with with uh, MC there, of course there was than with Ricky and there'll be a different one with Kevin. And so, um, I'm obviously really good friends with Ricky. Um, I've, I've been really close friends uh, with Kevin for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and Jeremy don't, Jeremy and I don't have that type of, of, uh, you know, of a relationship out of the TV booth or off Mm -hmm. the track, but, but I didn't feel that, that in any way was, made it less or, or or anything it was just it was just different you know yep um a couple things to touch on here uh I, news this week first the toyota triple challenge uh guy 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 wins uh this weekend in anaheim wins dallas and wins new york gets a free, gets a free tundra and 250 grand if he just gets the most points in those three weeks he wins a tundra but as jason thomas and i were discussing beforehand it's a very real chance the same rider could sweep all races and get this two hundred fifty grand. Which which same rider are you feeling would do that? I feel like perhaps the guy with the red plate. He rides a green bike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he it uh, that would be a good pick if yeah. you were going to bet on that. He'd be the guy. Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, history has told us that he can he can dominate the championship. You know, for entertainment purposes, mm-hmm. I think we're all all hoping that we get another new winner this week. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but we we can't control that. We you know we report what we see on the track and analyze it, and those guys have to go do their job. And Villapoto's job is to go win every race, just like the other yeah. guys are. So um, yeah, that I, would be really exciting. You know, other news this week: Ivan Tedesco is now on the 350 KTM. JT and I don't like this move as far as, you know, having great success on the bike in Supercross. But first of all, what's your take on Ivan's comeback? Uh, he's, he's been a year off. Um, and what's your take on him riding ha- riding a 350? Well, I think that he's doing a great job, you know, in this comeback to uh, obviously the first race. You could tell the speed wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the main event result wasn't there. His starts are great, and that was uh, a big advantage for him. And now you you see him starting to settle in uh, to that kind of 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th spot. Um, and I think that that's a really good uh, you know a good uh, result for him. I you know that top 10 would be the the goal where it'd be shoot, shooting for you know that'd be the short term goal. Um, 
I I don't think that on the track that the 350 is uh, a disadvantage. Mm-hmm. If you look at, uh, there was lap times in the round, uh, was it two and three? Cole Seeley had the fastest lap out of anyone in the main events. Right. And he's on 250. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. So I don't feel that on the track that, that you're giving up anything. But I will have to say that it's just my general feeling that, that you will give up something off of the start. Mm-hmm. And so now for Ivan, he would be taking his strength. His, his strength has not been his overall fast lap. His strength has been his ability to start up in the front of the pack mm-hmm. and put himself in a good position. So if he limits that, if if it indeed, as executed, um, becomes uh, a disadvantage, uh, it's going to be uh, – it'll play a big part in it. you know. And so now mm-hmm. maybe it's not just the start, it's the 20 laps that follow. So maybe he doesn't start in the top five or top three – he starts in the top ten because I think that he's always been a really great starter. Mm-hmm. Um, now, does he hold that position easier, if you know per se, or maybe if right. he starts in the back, can he ride that bike to the front? Uh, I don't know. Um, I guess we'll find out. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Hey, everybody wants to talk about Chad Reed, uh, what he's done. Um, followed up his impressive win with a uh, with a podium at uh, Oakland. Is this guy really, truly Emig? Truly is. Can he win this title? Yeah. Yeah? Sure. Okay. I think he believes that. Well, I think he does. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think there's no I doubt he does. A, <laughs> I think there's a, there's a lot of critics out there that say, nah, he's not the guy, you know, uh, and that's fine. Right. You know, as long as he believes it and the people in his core group believe it, and that's all that has to happen. He's He's been in the business of proving people wrong for a long time, and he's pretty good at it. He has been, and that, right. that maybe that's what maybe that's what fuels the fire, and that's why, even though he didn't win last week, I was really excited for him that he that he had that podium again. That he was only after 20 laps that he battled and was only seven seconds off the lead. I think that was a pretty good ride because Villapoto mm-hmm. was out front doing his thing on a track that Villapoto excels on that type of track. Mm-hmm. Now we'll get back to hard pack track where Villapoto seems to struggle a little more and Chad's a little better. So seven seconds over 20 laps, that may be an equalizer. Mm-hmm. And so um, the fact that he has, uh, even if he could have just that one bad result with that uh, ninth, I guess it was in Phoenix, yeah. man, yeah. if he had just, if that was even a top five, you know, it would be, quite a bit different. So, you know, there's a lot of if ands or buts involved and the proof's in the pudding. Yeah. He put up another podium finish and and I, I I think that he is in a very good place. And can he win the title? Sure. He's done it twice. You know? 702-586-7857. If you have a question for multi-time Supercross National Champion Jeff Emig, he's on the line with us right now. Um, Talking about the dirt, and that's funny that you mentioned it because it was my next question. Um, you've raced Anaheim, and is it drastically different from everything else? Or is Phoenix close to the same? Are the other places close to the same? Or is Anaheim its own sort of beast? I think it's becoming its own sort of beast. Um, mm-hmm. 
they're they're the uh, Fell Dirt Crew has really been, been very conscious over the last uh, decade or so at at uh, putting down that road base, kind of a gravelly bottom, um, so that in the event that we actually had some rain here in California, which we haven't had, right. and it's overcast right now. It's been it's been one of those days where it looks like it's going to rain, but it never. It's probably not. Mm-hmm. Um, so so naturally, when they pick up that road base. You know, when they skim the, the the clay off the top and pick up the road base, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a little bit of it comes with it. So over the years, um, and especially as the dirt goes on each time that's been it's been in there for five weeks, you know, um, it ends up just being a little marbly. So it's hard on the bottom with a lot of a lot of marbles on top. So it gets um, it gets difficult to lean the bike over in the turns and. And uh, it gets really, you know, it gets really hard packed. So mm-hmm. you have to have somebody that um, excels at that. Who's you know? who's been your biggest surprise in the 450 class? Uh, some would say Pike. Some would say Brayton. Maybe maybe Chad. Um, is there one guy that really surprised you the most? Chad Chad winning. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's all about you know. I mean, it's all about winning. Um, and but the when. You, you know, not to in any way, shape, or form, um, you know, discredit Pike, but a quote win for him mm-hmm. is not necessarily a win. Maybe it's right. a little bit out of reach for him, mm-hmm. but his results that he's had that he's had this year have been wins. In in his book, he should be celebrating because those have been outstanding rides, uh, given all the different. Uh, um, obstacles that riders have to face, and and let's face it, some riders have different potential than others. You know. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so so yeah, that's been great. Um, I I'd like to say it would be easy to say that for Brayton and JGR Yamaha that they had a win in Phoenix, but I think that he's now put himself in the category where a win is actually a first place. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Right. I mean, does that make any sense, you know? Yeah, 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 I, for sure. If it's my own twisted way of, <laughs> of, you know, categorizing it. But, yeah, I'd say, and, and that now the expectations have changed. And he gets a fifth last week. It should have been a sixth. I didn't see exactly what happened to Roxon. Did he fall or did Brayton pass him back? I'm not yeah, really clear I don't, on this because we were. I don't know because I was watching too, but I think Roxon had to make a huge mistake for Brayton to make up those seconds on him at some point. Yeah, yeah. So you see where I'm going with it. So a sixth was kind of like ah, here a couple weeks ago. Everybody was expecting him to be up in the lead battle and win, and then he throws a sixth out on a track that was a lot different than Phoenix. So mm-hmm. it leads me to believe that that Brayton's at this point that his strong point, his good tracks, are going to be the hard pack tracks, mm-hmm. and. Um, this weekend coming up, and and um, Anaheim could be that way. Dallas, of course, gets that clay out there is really blue groove and dry. Look for him to have a good ride there. Um, if it's soft and rutted and really choppy, and maybe maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. So, but the point is, is that I mean you have to do it every week. You know, yeah, you can't say, "Oh, I'm good on this track or that." And not that he's saying that. No, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. saying that. So. You know that's being really, really critical with my analysis, and and that's something that I feel I'm probably better at now than what I used to be, 
is is you know really you know getting down to the details and and not being afraid to comment on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, where do you see Tomac fitting in? He's coming back a three this weekend. We all know what happened at, at first race, but uh, what do you think is a respectable finish for him? And, and where do you see him fitting in? Well, I see him being, uh, you know, well inside of the top ten. Okay. Easy. Yeah. Um, and what and that kind of that thing it gets a uh, it makes it a little tricky because uh, last night I uh, I did my fantasy picks for the Rocky Mountain Fantasy Supercross uh, contest mm-hmm. and I try to get them as early as I can in the week but I don't really pick the winner myself until after the heat races and we all in the booth we all sit down and talk okay you know we're all kind of joking who you take you know who you got tonight type of thing mm-hmm. and to me it's not it's really difficult to pick the winner when you haven't seen the heat races and the, yeah, and yeah. the body of work that day yeah um you know so uh um i i made my top five picks and i don't specifically put them in order i just say these riders are who i think is going to be in the top five this week uh-huh. so i made those without knowing that tomac was going to be back right um I, I definitely put him inside the top ten, easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so too, right? And then build from there. No, and, I mean, yeah. is he is he top five? Maybe not. Yeah, I, I I think that he's missed a valuable part of the season, and that if you if the expectations are for him to come in and run with the top six that we have right now, mm-hmm. it's going to be it's going to be really tough. That's those guys are pretty dialed in right now. Yeah, it does seem like we're getting a little bit of separation between two groups, huh? We got six guys, and then we have, uh, you know, Andrew Short, Jake Weimer, Brock Tickle, those type of guys. Well, Tickle's out, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I, I don't know if he's out for this uh, weekend, but do do you know if he's out for this weekend? I'm uh, not sure. Yeah. I I assumed that he was out with a uh, wrist injury, but yeah. Um, yeah, you've got that that group that's that's kind of been running together in the results with Weimer and Hahn and and uh, Short. Uh, Grant, when he was there, mm-hmm. uh, Tedesco kind of at the tail end of that. And in this week's Rocky Mountain Fantasy Supercross picks, the wild card was ninth. So get, I yeah. got I got really strategic and really tried to uh, do my research to come up with and, and, and really not just go on my gut, but, but mm-hmm. a real educated guess for uh, who I think would be ninth. And? Um, and I went again. Uh, I went again with Will Hahn. I picked mm. him as eleventh last week, uh, and then I picked him for my ninth this week. And that could kind of throw things off a little bit because do I think that his teammate Eli Tomac can come in uh, after being off with an injury and beat him? And my honest answer is yes. Yeah. So you know now it's like okay, where now I've got to I've got to figure out my six seven eight nine that yeah that order is gonna i feel like that order could be upset a little bit uh dave dave uh wanted to know about the difference between speed and fox sports one for you yourself uh obviously it's mostly the same crew and everything else but what about the switch to fox sports one for us production wise there's it's i mean it's really no different the shirt's different. The mic flag's different. The background's different. Things like that. Um, for I should say, you know, for us in the booth and you know how we cover the race, um, production-wise, there's 
a lot of things different because now Feld and Fox are more invested in it. We've got the two two super slow-mo, we're calling them the SXMO cameras that we have each week, which obviously have been a great addition because our sport is so fast uh, that when we can slow it down like like that, the details – I think that it's pretty um, impressive. I think that our crew has, have done a great job uh, communicating on what we want to see and then the camera guys uh, actually filming it. Mm-hmm. So that's been cool. Um, we are supposed to have the cable cam back at a bunch of races. So uh, cool. that yeah. should be good. Um, there is, you know, the real difference is on the programming side and that speed being uh, a, a motorsports, automotive, you know, motorcycle-only uh, type of channel. And yeah. now we have – now we're living in somebody else's house where there's uh, stick and ball sports. So um, the great thing for us is the integration with Fox Sports Live at the end of our shows and that we roll straight into um, that that – hourly news show that gets reran eight times from right after we we come into it so Mm -hmm. that and we're also being put on par with with the largest um um, spectator sports in the nation that people turn to tv for college basketball march madness is coming up sports can be totally involved in that uh nascar on fox um you know and then all of the other uh uh, major league sports that Fox Sports Live covers. Mm-hmm. So there's you, you're you're only seeing the tip of the iceberg with the integration of that and of us earning our spot uh, with those top tier sports. Right, right. Uh, before we let you go, one last thing: Jason Anderson, six laps led, three wins. I've never seen anything like this. Can you? That, have you? Do you remember anything like this? No, and I. I'd like to know. I mean, where does he put that lucky rabbit's foot? Is it up his butt while he rides? Is, he, <laughs> is it attached to his boot? Wow. Um, yeah. Does he have it tucked up under the visor? You know. He, he does. It's, uh, I mean, those those type of things, you know, obviously he's been in a great position to take advantage of these deals, and that's the biggest thing is that this kid obviously is working hard. He's, he's really starting to show the, uh, you know, produce the results that uh, that his potential promised when he was an amateur and got signed to a pro deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been great. Yeah. He is not afraid. He's been tough. His fitness is there. He has not given up. He's been mentally strong. And did he get lucky this week? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, newsflash, people, luck has a lot to do with Supercross and motocross racing yeah. on so many different fields. The more prepared you are, the better you are, the luckier you get. It's still a factor, but have, you tend to increase your odds, you know, with the yeah. hard work. Has that ever happened to you, a gift win? I come around the last lap, last corner, or anything? Has that, has that ever – did you ever have that happen? Hey, my friends joke around that 97 was a gift year <laughs> for me. What are you talking about? Come a on. Gift win? Stop it. Stop it. You won that outright. Uh, hey, I, I, I just did a podcast I, with Skip Norfolk, and we talked about 96, and he was talking about MC's injury and that. But he goes, bottom line, Emmett kicked their ass that day at Steel City. So, Cool. Yeah, that's, that's, um, I, I appreciate him saying that because not a lot of people remember that 
that Jeremy came back and won the second to last race, won both motos. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like, you know, so now it, you know, it was a head to head. So yeah, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. I appreciate him saying that. Um, all right, Jeff, thank you for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Fly racing moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Always good insights. Thanks for your time. Good luck this weekend in the booth with uh, Kevin Windham and Ralph, and uh, well, I'm sure we'll see you there. Yeah, don't forget to uh, go on www.odigrips.com and check out the new grip. Check it out, and if you happen to see me out at Star West or something, hit me up for a free sample pair of grips, all right? Nice. Well, yeah, well, our listeners, I'm sure, will do that. Thank you, man. Cool. All right. All right, that's Jeff Emig, everybody. Uh, the great Jeff Emig. Uh, man, no supercross. There's no doubt about it. Thanks to you, everybody. It's been that time. It's time to wrap it up. Fly Racing Moto 60 show presented by Fly Racing and uh, NFAB. Fly Racing makes much more than a gear helmet and casual wear. Fly produces a range of bike stands, loading ramps, tie-downs, handlebars. Visit flyracing.com. Thanks to Jared for calling in. He won the Fly Racing uh, winter jacket. And, of course, NFAB, proud sponsor of JGR. Anything you need for your truck, n-fab.com. I'm your host, Steve Mathis. Tits. Yeah. Thank you for coming in today. No problem. Stellar job behind the uh, behind the, uh, the is that a keyboard? What is that? It's a Mac. No, the phone system. No, it's a phone system. Stellar job behind the phone system. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, stellar <laughs> job. All right, everybody. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.